Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I am Joe. Jen's here with me. Hello. Ben might be joining later. We're not sure yet. We have a special guest here tonight, Whitney Fox. Uh, why don't we just start out with you introducing yourself and what you do? Because uh, it's pretty specific, isn't it? Um, well, hi, Joe and Jen. Thanks for hi. you know having me here. I'm Whitney Fox. And um, specifically, I suppose um, you could say I'm a medium. Uh, however, I am also a, let's see, um, a, a consciousness explorer and um, maybe even considered a psychonaut and um, also an experiencer of some high strangeness through my life. And um, uh, I guess that's about the most specific I could give you. There's other stuff, but... Um, yeah, I'm also an artist. Well, so I'm already digging the psychonaut part because that means you have partaken in the psychedelics, which I'm a big fan of. Don't do as much anymore because I'm old and I can't handle as much anymore. But what uh, what brought you to what you're doing now? Like, how did you find out you could be a medium? Like, how, how does one find that out? Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, kind of everything that I threw at you with the first sentence is there's a path. There is a path. I think there's a path for everybody. Um so what I will say is I think in the whole kind of psychedelic community, there's a, there's a, like a bit of a branching off. So there's a kind of a not new, but more used phrase for what that I do. And that would be partaking in what's called entheogens. So anybody that has not heard that phrase, or if you guys haven't heard that, I don't know what it is. Entheogens are more plant medicines as opposed to maybe acid or you know, that kind of thing. And also done ceremonially as opposed to like a party drug. So right, like ayahuasca what, or uh, Saint, what's it, the San Pedro cactus or yeah. mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. So the ones that I've partaken in is uh, uh, ayahuasca for sure. Spent a 
great amount of time working with the shaman, working pretty deeply with that medicine. Um, and then uh, I have uh, tried uh, San Pedro, which is called Wachuma, and ceremonially it's called Wachuma. There's some similarities there, but they're different. And then most recently I sat with, uh, in ceremony with um, Bufo, 5-MAO DMT. So that's, is that the yeah, toad? It's a toad and it's, um, it's deep. It's graduate school level of the entheogens for sure. So, uh, interesting experience, not like the others. None of them are, you know, like you could say, um, mushrooms, their similarities with ayahuasca, but they're not the same. There's similarities with the uh, bufo, um, and the wachuma, but they're not the same. So, um, and done ceremonially, you know, if you're familiar with Terrence McKenna, you know, he was, the, it's kind of all about set and setting, you know, with a shaman or a practitioner. And um, it's not a party drug, you know, it's more of a deep dive consciousness exploration endeavor. And right. um, lots of stuff happens there. Um, you know, a lot of healing, a lot of insights, um, a lot of personal growth, as well as you know, the deeper you go, there's more and more levels, um, start to understand some things about the world and the, um, you know, the matrix essentially. So, um, so with that said, where'd the mediumship come from? So, um, you know, all, pretty much all through my life, I've had a series of paranormal experiences or mystical or, you know, kind of, you name it, you know, early on there was a, uh, uh, extended family with poltergeists. So my family witnessed that. That was a sort of a mind opener, mind blower that, you know, this is all is not what we're told. Um, especially with a, you know, somewhat you know, normal family, you know what I mean? Um, so uh, then I had, um, I had a lifetime of night terrors and the night terrors were very extreme. And so that took me to places where I had to kind of understand my dream life. And in doing so, I explored things like lucid dreaming and out-of-body experiences and, and, um, and ha have had some success with that, um, you know, with various techniques. And so that all kind of started in my fairly young life, you know, I probably, I think I had my, uh, I was working with OBs more about in my thirties. I was focusing, I had some focus on there. Also um, had a very dramatic experience with a um, boyfriend who was nothing short of haunted. Pretty sure he had a dark passenger and um, that dark passenger, passenger, you know, had attacked me. And so I'm kind of rushing through all that just to try and get to the, your first question. And that is with all of these like various, um, various exposure to different levels and different avenues of consciousness, you know, like what's a ghost or, you know, how, how did I leave my body or why did I have dream? I, I had a series of dreams for 10 years that I, I really felt were past life dreams about this one particular life before I even know, knew what that was. So with all of that, I've always been a explorer, you know, whether it was TV shows and books and, you know, workshops and, you know, all essentially trying to justify my own sanity. Uh, even though a lot of the stuff that happened to me, there was other witnesses, you know, a super dramatic UFO encounter, more than a light in the sky. It was a full on 
full-blown encounter with two other witnesses. And that was one of my giant paradigm changers. Like I knew there was weird shit with consciousness, but then that happened, you know, and, and then I just looked at the world. I was like, we're being lied to son, you know, there's something else going on. So, um, so with the mediumship, um, I'd always here and there had things, weird stuff that would happen, uh, things that would, you would call, uh, after death communication, various things I, that couldn't have happened or couldn't have known and messages from past loved ones on my own that would inspire my intuition and feel like they were around. So my professional life, I've been an artist for 25 years and, and it, that art career has been very material, very, very grounded in the material. And then I also had three kids and then so I had this art business, three kids, and then also with three kids trying to be a normie, you know, like uh, volunteering in the community and things like that. Like if you look at my outside life, you'd be like the people, all those people, you know, like the other baseball moms, like they had no idea, <laughs> no idea who, who this person is, which and I like it that way. I don't like it separate because some people, you know, there are some people that would not understand and i don't want to hurt their feelings by being a weirdo you know so i just leave like some of my husband's family they don't need to know some people need to know and don't anyway my my kids are grown beautiful kids wonderful kids they're all amazing like everyone says about their kids but mine really are <laughs> i'm just kidding um anyway once they were grown my son still lives with us he's 19. um all three of my kids are not normies by any stretch so Fruit didn't fall far from the tree there. But with that said, when they were small, I was 100% focused on my kids. Like there was no way I was going to be able to focus on meditation or mediumship or really, you know, I just kind of, you know, three, when you got three going, it's a lot and very active people. So I put it all on the back burner, although I was still having encounters with um, various things, the house they grew up in. I feel like there was something there. We all witnessed stuff. Um, I had most of my OBEs in that house and then various lucid dreams because there is a bit of a difference in my mind battling the night terrors still there. So even though I did have kids and my waking life was very focused, I had this dream life that was, you know, out, kind of out there, out, out of the ordinary. And that was just a part of life. Um, and then as they got a little bit older, I started to read more books about mediumship and both my parents died and I had all manners of anomalous experiences with their deaths. So, you know, premonition. And I mean, it's, I could go into, especially the story about my, my mother passing. It was, it was, yeah, nothing I would love to hear that. If, if you want to okay. expand on that, that would be wonderful. Sure. Yeah. sure. Uh, okay. How about this? I'll, I'll tell you how I just dove into getting trained as a medium and then I'll come back and talk about that if you want to hear that. Cause um, I, I love the story. It's, I think it's beautiful, but, um, so, so kids up out, um, then I d decided, um, that it was time for me to become trained as a medium because I wanted, I want, I mean, I don't know why I felt like I needed a certificate. It somehow gave me validation to be able to say, you know, I was, um, trained here and I'm continuing training with the art at the Arthur Findlay college in England. So I continue to take courses and keep learning because it's a, just like any discipline. Um, the, the deeper you get, the deeper you can go, you know, you start to explore any topic and, and then, 
you know, then uh, if it's of interest, you're going to become better and better at it because you keep pursuing it. So that's where I'm kind of at now, still training, doing readings for people. Do I do some a lot of free readings too, you know, because it's not about the money. I, I mean, not to sound this way, but I make enough money as an artist. I don't, it's more about service, right? So the plant medicines are also a part of it because I started working with a powerful shaman in 2014 and that blew my third eye just wide open. I mean, then it was like, oh, I thought I knew what was going on and I had no idea. And when that happens, you can never go back. There's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. It, there's no going back to being asleep, you know? So it also enhanced the mediumship because I have a greater understanding of what the afterlife is. Cause honestly, I've been there, you know, so you can't help it. You get blasted out of your body and you have the dissolution of ego and you come back and you're like, Oh boy, this place, you know? And that's my feeling almost every time I come back from a deep journey, as I come back and I go, Oh, here, you know, like, what do I do with this place? Cause it's, it's so dense and it's, there's so much bullshit, you know, it's, it's the matrix. Uh, I'm, you know, and most people that, that work with those medicines, that word comes up going back to the matrix, you know, Monday, got to go back to the matrix, you know, and you fall back into your ego and you do all those things. But in any case, that coupled with a pretty deep meditation practice, um, I practice Vipassana. So briefly Vipassana, um, to learn Vipassana, Vipassana. It's um, it's an ancient art. They say that Gautama Buddha created it 2,500 years ago, and there's um, retreat centers all over the world. And it's um, you know, it's a bit of an initiation. You live like a Buddhist monk for 10 days, and um, you know, uh, intermittent fasting and uh, very humble uh, lodgings, and you meditate for 11 hours a day and 10 days of silence and no eye contact, no phones, no nothing. So. That so only 10 days though because that sounds like something i could do for like the rest of my life that sounds amazing no eye that's contact what you, we're talking. it's what yeah. you think that's what i thought but you'll get your ass handed to you if you go just tr trust me on that um and then you can go for once you've done a 10 day you can go let's see i think there's a whole protocol to it i think if you've done 10 10 days you're invited to come for a 20 day and then and, and then it moves up from there there's 100 day ones etc um, I've done three 10 day and each time was just as hard as the last time, even though I thought it was a big shot, you know, Miss Ayahuasca drinker, you know, <laughs> I thought, oh, I could do anything. And I got about three days in and I was like, where are my keys? How am I going to get out of this? Because you, it, you, you unpeel like a banana, like all of your psyche comes out and all of your shit comes up and all of your shadow work and you have nowhere to go, but to deal with it. And so and it's just the way the protocol works. It just opens up your subconscious and, and it's rough. It's a rough ride. So by day eight though, you're pretty much, you're pretty much in bliss and you are very, very open psychically. So, so with, you know, I kind of ran through all of that very quickly, but that is essentially what kind of led to it. A, an interest and B, some various uh, protocols and techniques to expand my awareness and expand my uh, knowledge about what I believe consciousness is. Um, and really, I honestly feel like I'm still on the bottom floor. I feel like every time I think I know, then then a whole nother uh, capsule opens and is like, you don't know shit. <laughs> it's time to, you know, time to keep moving. You know, like, like Buddha says, it's like many, many boats 
on the river to enlightenment, then you step from one to the next and you just keep going. So um, that's been a recurring thing we've heard in this uh, whole community is the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know shit. So you end up coming out the other side going, oh, I don't know shit. Even though I've learned all this stuff, I actually don't know shit. Like, I feel like I know less now than when I was 17, knew fucking everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I, I tend to think that that's a bit of the trickster element. You know, like that the trickster archetype is sort of like it it plays with your psyche to get you to push farther. So I don't know that there is a top or an end. I think there's this cyclical thing. And, you know, oftentimes you end up right where you started, but on a slightly higher level. You know, so that's just the way I kind of see it. It's like a the. You know, a little bit of a turning of the wheel. In fact, when you when you if you ever visit a Vipassana website, their logo is a turning wheel. And so it's it's a Buddhist tenant also, you know, the wheel of karma and things like that. So but yeah, I I, I uh, am not surprised that you've sort of come across that sort of idea that the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. But I think that is part of being actually being awake instead of being woke you know <laughs> so i think there's a different you know the wokesters um, actually do know everything though you know they're, they're the most asleep ones and they just don't <laughs> know there is something to having your eyes open where you can't unsee things it doesn't mean you know everything and you right. should just be grateful that you can even glimpse it you know right and so i think that truly awake people are always looking for the next thing you know never saying I got it. I got it all figured out. Um, because, you know, spoiler alert, you don't, you know, there's, so that, so I'll just like little side note on that is, you know, I've got friends that know what I do and you totally accept it and they're, they're great. And sometimes they're just like, wow, you know, you've got an amazing life. And, and I credit that work a lot to it. I honestly, I do think I have an amazing life. I, I, actually don't feel like I would change anything. However, certain things in personal relationships come up and, you know, when I cry, I cry hard, you know? And so, and I, there's things that I wish weren't that way. And sometimes I'll reflect back on it. I'll be like, Oh, the work you've done. And you're still like, you're still crying this hard over that. But then, you know, I realize like we're, we're actually here to have all the feels we're here to feel deeply. And, and we learn from those, everything is medicine, right? So, you know, um, that is too part of it. You know, if, you know, friends of, for instance, I have a friend right now, she's going through a rough time. She's got some depression and she's like no money and the whole thing. And um, like, I try and tell her like, do the best you can to actually feel this moment because you've set it up this way and you're feeling this way for a reason. You know, now what, now what are you going to do with it? You're going to be pity pot or, or are you going to change it? Are you going to take your medicine like a man and, you know, and change it and heal or, you know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to sound preacher or anything, but I, I do believe that, that everything is medicine. Even, you know, like I mentioned, I'm, I have a family issue going on right now. You know, my, my oldest daughter is thinking of breaking up with her long-term boyfriend and I love him. He's like my son and I'm like heartbroken. I can't tell you how many times I've cried in the last couple of days and it's not me, you know, it's like, it's not my, really my problem. I just am a big feeler. So, you know, like, and I do reflect deeply on my tears about that because that it's, I'm a bigger person for it. I think, you know, I'm, I yeah. think all people that are big softies are big people, you know? 
So going back to kind of what you said before about uh, not knowing everything and, you know, the people that are like, oh, I have it all figured out. We've said it a bajillion times on the show. Those are the people that sketch me out the most. If there's somebody that, you know, pretends that they know every or they have the answer to one thing that sketches me out instantly. So that's why I don't discount things like flat earth. I don't know where you stand on that. We don't have to get into that. But like the flat earth people respect them. I'm like, totally. they're questioning the very basis of reality. I stand behind that i don't know whether it's flat or i don't give a shit it doesn't really matter but uh, <laughs> it actually doesn't but right no, i mean other than if we're being able to question it is great that's actually yeah, their biggest argument is if we're being lied to like you said yeah. yeah and i get it we all know we're already being lied to so who fucking cares let's just live our life and like what you were that's saying cool. though telling your friend to take that moment that really sucks and make something of it that's because i believe that every experience here is a lesson. So whatever you do with it is going to shape your life in the future. And it might suck. It might not be an awesome lesson, but I mean, I hated, you know, English in school too, but it was a fucking lesson, whatever. Totally. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, just like kind of bringing my personal thing about my daughter going through, she's devastated by this. Right. And I'm like, no matter what I tell you, you're not going to grow wise by what your mommy told you. You have to live it. You know, you'd have to as painful, like her heart is, you know, <laughs> she's, she's even having anxiety attack, a whole shebang, you know, and it's breaks my heart, but you, it's those things that will, that make us stronger. This will make her a woman, you know? So, and anybody out there that's having, it's, it, the thing is if you stuff it or drink it away or drug it away or, you know, something, unless you have a true chemical imbalance or something, but if it's a, you know, so, so anyway, I, we agree. We're of like minds on that, you know, hundred percent. Um, and me too, you know, with the Joe, with the, like who sketches me out is, and that just screams like a, like a pretty deep insecurity to me is they'd really need to stake their flag, their flag in the sand and say, I'm right about something. And we really don't know flat earth. I really have no idea. I, I, I've never seen it from, I, well, what do I know? You know, sure. <laughs> like, like you said, Jen, yeah. sure. Whatever. Does it matter if I, does it, if I go out and I make a fire outside and have a beer and sit by it, does it matter? <laughs> you know? Exactly. No, that's it, why it wouldn't change my life. And yeah, like, no, like I said, but we already are. No, that's it's why I respect that though, is because they're questioning the very uh, basic thing that people actually are you know, growing up and brought up and taught to think is true, like dirt tastes gross. And if I were to go out one day and be like, I'm pretty sure dirt tastes gross, but I'm going to be open to it. Let's eat a handful of dirt. Oh my God, this is amazing. Like that would be crazy. Like, but I would have yeah. never known that if I didn't leave my right. mind open enough open to be like, mind. maybe that's not true. Maybe dirt's amazing. But would you get pissed about it and tell other people how amazing yeah. it is? And stand on the yeah. soapbox and do it. No, just I would just be like, you would never believe this. I ate a handful of fucking dirt yesterday. I had chicken shit and it was amazing. It was like a steak. It was delicious. Like, I'll take your word for it. I don't care. I'm gonna have my yeah. brother by the with Whitney Fox. We're gonna be good. <laughs> and you're not hurting anybody. But you know, like, what do I know? I think I talk to dead people. So you know, like, <laughs> judge anybody. You probably do, though. I'm sure that's a real thing. It has to be. There are so many experiences that people have had for society to discount the fact that people can communicate with the dead is insane to me. Do you well, think all of those people are lying? I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying you know, everyone's telling the truth, but here in the West, I, I think it's the strongest. If you, if we were to go down to the Amazon or even like in England where the uh, um, 
the Findlay colleges, they see it much differently. Like mediumship is like, it's regulated by law and you have to be certified and you can't just hang a shingle. And, you know, like they, it, that's how common it is in some place. You go to the Amazon and, and, you know, you, you say you're talking to, you know, you want, like there, there's, I was with some Colombian shamans once and, and I was very shocked that to hear my voice or uh, my Pat, the shaman I was working with who passed away, his voice among their voices. And they were like, yeah, what's the big deal? You know, I mean, in, in Spanish, but uh, essentially through the translator, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's just how it's, it's just a Tuesday when that happens, you know, like there's no, there's no, what, why are you so surprised by this? You know, that's how their, their culture that's is. more common than you would think in the West. Like we're so sheltered from that, that kind of a life where uh, I'm, listening to an audiobook now about the shaman from Peru and he has all these crazy stories about casting entities out of people and like the way he describes it makes me think there's really fucking something to that like there's he's not just talking stories like he's done crazy amounts of like training and all this stuff and he can see certain shit and I believe that I've seen shit that I I don't know what to make of it but I've seen things where I'm like I don't know what that is so I'm just you know western brain gonna discount it What's your favorite or like what's some prominent stories of uh, either talking to dead people or seeing it like an attachment? Because I'm kind of interested in the attachment thing. Well, let me uh, first I'll tell you a uh, quick. It's a fairly I mean, I could make it long, but I'll make it quick. A story uh, about a um, an attachment. Well, make that it long. I... <laughs> make it as detailed yeah, as okay. you want. We're not yeah. we're not short on time. Not... but It's up to you, but don't feel okay. like. Just because you said attachment, and this one was a personal story, um, uh, when I early when I started uh, drinking ayahuasca, I had a hard time uh, doing any purging. You know, you've, I don't know if you've ever heard, but there's a purging that happens. You throw up and and um, or diarrhea or something, and it, it's not just ridding your body of toxins; it's ridding your spirit body. Um, it, I've not spoken to someone that has. Uh, done the medicine that doesn't believe that that thinks that they're throwing up food because you're not you're it comes from your bone it comes from your and so w the only one time that I did out of all of the ceremonies I did I've only had a mouth purge once and out came this little hairy gray alive thing and I saw it hit the bottom of my bucket and of course this is with my third eye but with my two eyes as well hit the bucket and I was completely shocked. My shaman came over and he knew that something very serious had just come out of me. And, and, um, uh, when I laid back down, I had previously been having some, a conversation with Jesus. So it's ayahuasca. Um, when you're there, it's realer than here. Let's just put it that way. And I essentially said, you know, I was like, Jesus, where'd you go? <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? And, uh, essentially I was taken back to a night, a party night back in the, you know, early nineties. And there was a, uh, you know, a bunch of people around. It was an after party. There was like, you know, there was lots of alcohol that was blow. There was ecstasy. It was like just a big party night. And, um, I was shown myself, like I was watching a movie and I had something attached to myself. It came in through the back of my neck and that's what it, the medicine showed me. It got rid of that. This purge got rid of. And so the, you know, after effects of that. And that was only my second ceremony. So 
one of the ways that I believe the medicine works is it heals you before it starts to teach you. And so this was one of this big healing night. And the next morning and ever since, like the colors are brighter, the light is lighter. I'm happier. I suffered from depression for many years, like bouts of depression, I'd say, off and on. That went away. Um, and so was that all just a... Um, was that really something happening in the spiritual realm? Uh, the shamans will tell you absolutely. Um, or, you know, in the more material realm, was that just something that was drawn out of my subconscious? Maybe I carried guilt for that. Uh, either way, it in in a lot of ways, it, it doesn't matters. matter. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter because it, we talk a lot about the placebo effect and they're like, oh, the placebo effect's fake. Like, but if it works, then <laughs> who cares? Like when exactly. they give somebody a sugar pill and they're like, totally made me feel better. Okay. That was your mind healing itself. Cool. Like, right. Isn't it that a mystery? Crazy. Like, yeah. yeah shouldn't we talk cool. about that part? <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's straight up paranormal. Your, your mind heals yourself. So, uh, so that made me, that opened my eyes to, uh, attachments. And so I had already previously to working with this shaman, uh, I had already had what something that would happen with what I think is my third eye, but I feel like it was my two eyes. Various times in my life, I would meet somebody and I would think their eyes were black. And then, you know, even with blue eyes, I would see this blackness in there, you know, and it, it would just be a quick glance kind of thing. And maybe this is an intuitive psychic thing, medium thing. I don't know. Um, I, I had this boyfriend. This was previous to any ayahuasca many years ago, had this boyfriend and um, he was from Costa Rica. He grew up here though. And, um, he, we started dating after high school. We were really good friends in high school and we started dating after, and he had a very dark side. Um, and this dark side unbeknownst to me at the time is he was, had some gang affiliations. He had some drug dealing he was doing. He had a cache of guns and stuff, but I just would thought I was dating my friend from high school, but, um, he was, had this anyway, uh, it's a little bit of a long story, but the long story short is I was very cavalier about my relationship with him and his uh, haunting. You know, he he knew I had already had my UFO encounter at the time. He knew that. And he and I had told him about the poltergeist situation in my, you know, extended family. And so he felt um, comfortable enough to share that he believed that he was being haunted. And he and his mother were su really suffering from this. And I don't know if he, I was not doing any shamanic work at the time. I was still just exploring like what is actually happening? What do I actually believe or what do I think or what? And anyway, he, he thought that I could help. And so I for sure was um, a bit of a reckless youth, you know, like I would go to up to Sequoia and jump off 80 foot cliff dive, cliff dives. And I surfed and I skied and I did all these things that were before kids. I was just a, I don't know if I was an adrenaline junkie, but if, if we, if that's what everybody's doing, then I'm going, you know? So, um, uh, anyway, and I was always like, Oh, ghosts. Okay, cool. He's like, can you come to my house? You know, he told me, well, let me back up. When he finally opened up to me, we were at my house and we were in my bedroom and we were sitting on my bed and he started to disclose that he felt that he was being haunted. And, um, and so he, and I was like, okay, tell me more. Cool. You know? And he goes, watch this. And so he looks at my door that, which was standing, you know, halfway open and he stares at my door 
and it starts to close. And so, I mean, think, things suddenly just got a little more real because it's not like the wind did this. You know, it wasn't like open windows and a windy day or anything like that. He was staring at it and he made it close, not all the way, but probably about six inches, probably made the door move about six inches. And so I'm for sure seeing stuff, but I'm way naive. I was probably 20. I was probably about 24 at the time. So I was like, I knew some stuff, but I didn't know this stuff at all. And so, you know, and he's, you know, so I, I just look at him and I'm like, holy shit, dude, <laughs> Like, what, what, how did, what is going on? Had no idea about that. He might have some sort of attachment. So we're, we're dating. We do, we, we were dating for a little bit of time before that. And I, he was one of the people that I had noticed a flash of black in his eyes. Yeah. I mean, he did have dark brown eyes and um, you know, so there was that, but this is a little bit different. It's like a, it's, it's like a shiny black uh, is how the way I see it. And so anyway, he, um, uh, he talks me into, didn't really have to talk me into, I should say going over to his house one night. And this was, um, it was right at the start of the Rodney King riots. I live in Los Angeles. So uh, the Rodney King verdict had just come down and, small riots were kind of breaking out here and there. And he lived out in an area, the, there was some gang stuff. And um, I, you know, it's, even though I kind of knew the area, it wasn't necessarily any place that I would go on my own. And so it, it was really cavalier and really foolish for me to even go into that neighborhood during that time frame. So, um, but I did it. And I just thought that I, I was just, I was just uh, dumb, young and dumb, right? So anyway, just an interesting part of the story that I think is kind of cool or interesting to know, not cool, weird, was when we drove in, he said, you know, let's take, well, you know, we got to drive your car in, but I have to have the windows down and I need to make, give hand signals to the neighborhood to, so they know that you're a decent car, that you're not there to, that you're with me, in, in other words. So I'm driving into a not that safe neighborhood and I we could hear from the trees he said so that he said that the neighborhood puts people in the trees girls mostly and they whistle or they'll make calls depending on who's coming into the neighborhood so um I could hear those calls and whistles being made and him making hand signals and stuff so I obviously bit off way more than I could chew but uh but that said when this sort of haunting night started to happen I knew I couldn't leave. I couldn't just get up and leave at three in the morning. So that was like, I was kind of trapped there. And, and to, in my mind, somehow it's all connected, this dark energy in this neighborhood at this time, it was, it was this, um, I guess you could maybe call it a little bit of a liminal space, you know, cause I sort of crossed the Rubicon from thinking I understood something and then having my ass handed to me and it changed it for sure changed me forever um anyway that we got food we got a movie his mother was there because he lived with his mother she didn't speak any english and when i came into the house it was um everything was everything shiny surface was covered with a black drape and then she had novena candles garlic like this woman was obviously mortified and so um I'm still thinking 
you know, we're going to hear taps on the wall or something. We're going to there. I might see a ghost or what am I? I was still, Oh, fun. Kind of, even though I'm in the middle of the hood in the middle of a riot, but, um, so the riots have, were heating up. They were, it was still not safe because they ended up getting, you know, it, re- really bad there, but it was about a day after this. So, um, anyway, um, got food, got a movie. And I, uh, at the time I was, uh, a bartender. And so I was, I had really late hours. And so I was usually going to sleep by maybe three or four in the morning and getting up or noon or something, you know, it was not like me to want to go to sleep at seven at all. Like I ate and I was just exhausted. Like all of my gas had been taken out. Like, and so, I mean, it's still light out. And so, you know, it, it couldn't have been more than seven in April. It was probably more like six thirty. So anyway, I, um, I was like, I fell asleep, you know, closed the whole thing, just laid on his bed and was like asleep and then woke up in, which was way late. He was asleep and I was, you know, and I woke up to, um, and I, I can't remember the exact sequence of events, but the things that happened were, uh, one of the times, and I think it was the first time woke up to this massive sound in a sound, a bang in the wall that was bigger than any possible bang that could ever happen in any wall. And so shocking. It was like, it was an explosion in my head. Um, so he didn't wake up. I I also heard a hanger metal hangers hitting together in the closet. And so at this point I'm actually starting to get scared because like what's in the closet, something has to be tall enough to be pushing them together. What's going on, but fell back to sleep. I mean, and also thinking, how am I going back to sleep? I'm scared shitless right now. Like, how am I falling back to sleep? Anyway, I did. Another time waking up, uh, there was heavy pressure on my chest. Like, like literally somebody sitting, somebody heavy sitting on my chest. I can't breathe. I'm trying to hit him. I'm like starting to freak out. And it, uh, whatever it was, started speaking Spanish in my other ear, saying something very angry in my ear. So now I'm like peaked adrenaline hitting him finally hit him awake and he's sleeping on his stomach and then he just raises up and he's like is it is it here you know like he knew and so now i know what he's talking about i i know that this isn't a joke this isn't a little this isn't casper or it's not we're gonna play with a ouija board this was like like a full sort of attack and so so then you know i'm like how am i you like terrified and so then uh a cat jumps up on the night table on my side of the bed and i'm like oh my god your cat's in here and and uh, and i'm thinking in some ways like okay relief like maybe the cat had something anyway he goes i don't have a cat and so you know i'm just like (laughs) so he uh he goes over and he grabs a cat and he throws it out the window and it's like a first floor so and it pushes the screen out and closes it and i'm like you don't have a cat like what is going on? And, and so, you know, I'm thinking, where's my keys? I got to go. There's no way I'm staying here. I don't care if it's a riot and I'm in the hood. Like I got, I got to go. But then I fell back to sleep, like unbelievably. So I, when I did wake up in the morning, it was way past morning. It was like towards the afternoon. He was shaking me awake, told me he was going to call 911. And, you know, to wake up when, I know that like, I've probably slept for like 20 hours, you know, like too, way too long. And I got to go. I, but my head was at the other side of the bed at the bottom of the bed. 
And so I was like, how did I get like this? Like, what did you turn me around? Like, did I turn around? Like I was out of, I was gone. Right. So, so anyway, uh, you'd think I'd have broken up with him at that point. I didn't. Um, I brought in some friends, um, a friend of mine whose parents were somewhat, he was, her father was kind of a shaman type mother was like a psychic. And she, she pointed out some things in the house and she went to a closet and said, you know, that there's rocks or something in here. And he was mortified by this because he had this uncle in Costa Rica that had him bring back some, just a suitcase full of rocks. Um, and that's where they were kept. And this, psychic lady she said you know there there's elementals attached to those and so get rid of the rocks and then when he kind of realized that she was legit he's like well i have something to show you and he took us all into his garage and he had a weight set in a you know a two-car garage and he pulled back the weights and the and pulled back the rug and there was this very elaborate like pentagram with all of these crazy symbols on it and he disclosed to us then that that's where the uncle that requested that they bring the rocks back um, would sacrifice animals to his for his dark sort of Santeria thing, you know. And I was like, dude, <laughs> you should have, you, you could have told me. I, I don't know what I'd have done you if I didn't know that. With that, maybe you should have led with that. That, yeah, yeah, buried lead. There's been animal sacrifices. So here's the other, like, because I'm fairly conspiratorial minded, um, and I I wouldn't have put it together or I didn't put it together until much later. So, and this is a, like also creepy. So his mother, uh, so he was the bastard child of a product of a Supreme court magistrate in Costa Rica and his maid. So his mother is the maid, his father shipped everybody off. The, the uncle is the dad's brother. So like, high in the government in Costa Rica. And what's this brother doing all of these sacrifices and dark shit about, you know? So anyway, I put that together later and was also like this, this poor boyfriend of mine, I don't think he had a chance. I think that he was uh, essentially born with some dark shit around him. And then he sought out uh, various other dark things. Um, so we dated for a bit longer and, um, there was one night that his eyes went completely black and he, and um, I haven't told this part of the story cause it is kind of weird, but he did choke me to almost passing out. And I saw those, the black eyes and then he threw a bunch of stuff and around the house. And it was very, I knew I was going to have to part ways with him, but I felt like I was being, um, I guess, I guess repressed in some way. Cause um, I also got what I thought was mono. And so my doctor, because I had absolutely no energy, I was for months, I had to quit one of my jobs. I had two jobs at the time. And my doctor was like, well, I think it's mononucleosis the way your behavior is, but I, I can't confirm that with a blood test. So it was like, I would need to nap after I did, took a shower. Like I would just, I was exhausted. Like I said, I had to quit. So in hindsight, I, it was when I was dating him. So, you know, I think that this sort of, you know, thing was kind of overtaking me. And then the last real dramatic thing that happened with him was um, we had gone to San Diego for like a long weekend. He was like a club promoter and he would just have all mad stacks of cash. And so we'd be like, where do you want to go? And so we went down there and, you know, had a big weekend and stuff. And um, 
I, you know, not to get too gross, but I'm pretty sure I miscarried on that trip. So, cause I woke up and it was like, it was like a scene out of the Godfather, like just blood everywhere. And that's not, that was never my style, not to be gross, but I was always like really light. You know what I mean? Like it's not that. You're not going to outgross us. We're pretty gross. Okay. 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 Good. Good. So, you know, like that's never been an issue for me. And so the only thing I could think was I didn't know I was pregnant and there was some sort of miscarriage because it was like a hemorrhage. Right. And so, but before I realized that he was, he had woken me up that you know the night before i woke up with this and he's like uh, i think we should leave and i was like oh you know what i'm sleeping and that what do we have to and he's like yeah there was something dark in here over your body and i was like what the okay that, that, oh, let's deal with it tomorrow and then when i woke up and there was that i was like you're like would tell me more and he said there was some dark hooded figure that he could see over me and so you know all of these are definitely chipping away at the relationship. And so when he, you know, I, I lived with him for a brief time and I was going to have to like move out, move out. And so I woke up one morning, the day that I decided to leave and my head was at the other end of the bed. And I was like, okay, like I I've already had a piano fall on my head. Do it. Like now I need an anvil, like the cartoons, like I'm, when am I going to wake up? Like this is, and this is like the where kind of weird kind of spiritual, really spiritual part comes in. And so because my head was at the bottom of the bed, I could see this really tall palm tree out the window. And I was staring at that palm tree. And I don't know why I just started thinking of Jesus. And I was like, I think Jesus is in that palm tree right now. And so... So I walked out and I'm like, I'm uh, out. How many, how many pots were you on at this point? <laughs> <laughs> A lot or zero? Uh, you know, all, I don't, you know what? I don't, I don't even know what I was, fi what finally woke me up because like I, during that time, you know, like I was not doing any drugs or anything. Like I would have drinks and stuff as a bartender, but it was like nothing there was no, I think it was haunted is what I think. And I learned like what an attachment really looks like. So fast forward, you know, 25 years later to the time where I'm working with a shaman, I get rid of some, some sort of I had and then sat through many I watched. Can you hear me? Uh, are you there? No, you just cut out yeah, for like five to ten sorry. seconds. Yeah, yeah it was a few seconds. There you go. You're back. Yeah, I lost you. I'm sorry. I hope it. I hope it's not my connection. Um, funny that it decided to like yeah. go at that time, but I, I was just. Right. Uh, I, I know. That's that, all I was too. Rewind like five to ten seconds. Okay, yeah, so I'll cut it. Uh, fast forward to when you were working with the shaman and Oh, okay. And then it uh, I saw that shaman uh perform nothing short of what would be labeled an exorcism, pulling dark stuff out of people. And very, you know, cuz I'm not the only witness to those things. Other you know friends in those ceremonies and stuff, we would all watch and we would see stuff being pulled out you know um, 
in that sound too corny or anything when you know essentially the holy spirit is entered you can see it you can feel it and you watch these things you know it's hard to be skeptical after witnessing things like that um so for sure what i have done moving forward is um my intention you know especially with mediumship is only working with the light you know no nothing dark there's nothing probably a good call yeah and you know uh uh, it's sort of a regular practice to remind the general um, atmosphere that there's that's not that's not what I do um, anything dark. I'm not really interested in clearing houses or anything like because this is every, all of the work that I do with that is about healing and love and you know forgiveness and grace and all of the things that are of the high vibration. So I don't even consider it. You know when people say, well, you know, you open a door you can't close. I don't even open that door. It's a different door I open. You know, so, but because I've seen, you know, I, I leave that to the, the people that seek counsel from powerful shamans and stuff, you know, the, the work can be done. And, and so I think I do have a little bit of a theory that addictions are attachments um, because of the story I told you about the, what I spit into my bucket. Like, I think when you open your spirit body up with like heavy drinking or, you know, passing out or, you know, allowing a an addiction to take hold like i mean all you got to do is like look at a someone that's addicted to meth and they look like they're possessed you know and i i think there's something to that i think there's and i've also seen people give up drugs and alcohol um with those medicines like in a you know i have not ever sat with uh, iboga but um you know it's very successful with heroin addicts um, oh yeah we had a dude on that like focuses on the iboga thing and it's pretty insane pretty people insane. that have been drug addicts for years just one session and they're like nope that's it yeah it's like the spirit um is taken out of their spirit body um there's some real magic that can happen there um so you know uh any any state that you're going to go into that you need a body sitter um is going to take you to see god <laughs> So um, that, I mean, I essentially with the Bufo, that experience that I had, for sure, I feel that I had a near-death experience and I was taken to like the divine creator and uh, went through a portal and the tunnel and the portal and the whole thing. And my body sitter was like, you know, I, I think he was there for part of it with me. So these realms are, they're, uh, they're not for the faint of heart and they're not for the closed-minded to talk about. Um, yeah. You know? So before we get out of here, though, let's close on something light. Tell us that story in depth. Yeah. I want to hear that one. Let me tell you about uh, the experience with my, my mother. So even though it can be a little bit of a long story because um, I could continue to elaborate on it because after she passed, um, I did uh, find a medium or the medium found me in this weird kind of spiritual way. I'll, I'll, how about that? I'll tell you that whole story and how I found the medium. And then because the, the experiences with the medium were off the hook like this lady she changed my complete paradigm with a bunch of other stuff which would if i got into that it would probably be a whole other show you know but so um so when um so when my mom uh what happened with her she she'd kind of started to you know she was sort of in an era where you know martinis and cigarettes were really cool for women to do like a lot and so her body was still are she was, kind of <laughs> kind of paying the piper you know 
Uh, and so she had started to have some health problems, but I, I certainly didn't expect her to pass away. But um, uh, she fell and she broke her hip. And I was living in Los Angeles. She was living in Palm Springs, her and my dad um, in Palm Springs, they retired and all that. And, um, and I had gotten many calls about, you know, oh, mom's going to, she's going to get a pacemaker put in, things like that. And I always see her, I loved her. I'd go down there once a month and, and, but it, I never had this certain feeling, you know, as soon as my dad called and said, you know, your mom's broken her hip. I was like, all of a sudden I just stopped eating. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think of anything, but that I knew she was going to die from this. I just knew it. And so it was super dumb, you know, and I can't explain it, especially because my, my body was telling me like this body intelligence thing, you know, I just, I just couldn't eat. And so I lost like nine pounds in a week, you know, I like literally couldn't eat. And I was like, all I could eat was like Tums and stuff. Cause I just had my solar plexus, just my intuition just knew. And so through the course of that week, um, yeah, my girls were little, I didn't have my son yet. And, um, so I had these two, uh, a one-year-old and an, oh, you know, two and almost three-year-old. And, um, so I fly down to the desert, take my kids, fly down there. I'm with, with my mom and, and, you know, my, I, it even fell out of my mouth that she's not going to make it. And my sister and my dad got really mad at me. I'm like, I don't know why I said that. I don't know. And so she, you know, they give her, replace her hip. And then she's in this like care facility and stuff. And I go to, I, I had been there for a week and I had to go deal with some business stuff and get new clothes. My husband had to, you know, go to work and stuff. And so anyway, I went to go leave and, um, and I couldn't leave. And I went back in and I kept saying goodbye to her. And then finally she said, goodbye, goodbye. And then she loves me. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'll see you in two. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going home today. I'm coming right back tomorrow. And, but I just knew, you know, so I find, it took me like an hour to just walk out the door, you know? So anyway, on, we're on our way home and, um, I, my husband's driving and I, um, I look in the rear view and there's a white hearse behind us, you know, and I'm, and my husband changes lanes and the white hearse changes lanes. And then he sees me and he knows I'm a weirdo. And he's like, stop looking at the hearse. Like it doesn't mean anything. And it was a white hearse and like white was her color, like white couches, white hair, white clothes, like, like she loved white. Right. And I'm just watching this hearse and like halfway home, it followed us. And so I'm like, okay, all right. And, you know, I'm giving him the side eye because I'm like, that was a little weird though. Don't you think, you know? And, um, and so I drop him off at work. And so then it's like middle of the day and I'm just, I've been, I've, like I said, I've, I've lost all this weight and I'm so nervous and I'm like, my hands are shaking. And so I pull up and, and my girls are asleep in the back. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to take them in. And they were, you know, nappers or whatever, put them in their beds. And, and I'm, I'm like, what am I going to do to like, calm my nerves. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a bath, you know? And then I'm like, you know, I think I'm gonna have some wine because this is ridiculous. Right. So I get a glass of wine, you know, it's probably like one in the afternoon, but still doesn't matter. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm in this bathtub and I'm sitting there trying to calm. And it's a, one of those bathtubs where there's like a, it's like a bathtub shower. And so there was like this window and I haven't been there in a week. My husband's been, hasn't, nobody's been there for a week. I didn't touch anything up by the window. didn't open the window, nothing. There's bottles of shampoo up there. And so 
I'm like sitting there and I'm like washing my face and um, all of a sudden a bottle of shampoo falls from the shelf and hits me in the head. And I, I'm like, how could that possibly happen? Like, how could that happen? There's no way, like solidly up there for this week while I'm gone. So when that happened, then a shadow goes by the bathroom door because I have it open so I can hear the girls and 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 not like this tall shadow. And I'm like, and I call it to my husband, even though I know he's in Irvine, there's no way he got there. His he had left it, there, he just couldn't have been there. But I call out to him and and um, you know, I don't hear anything. And now I'm like, my heart's pounding. I'm like, so much for the wine in the bathroom. Okay, okay. getting out. Yeah. And so uh I so I get out in a towel and then I uh I'm starting to go to the bedroom and I hear uh, what sounds exactly like a bird hitting the window. And so this, I know if a bird flies into the house, it's an omen, it's a death omen. And so, and it sounded, I mean, I knew it was a bird that hit the window and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, like I, I get it. You know, she's, she's going to go. Right. And so the phone rings, I'm still in a towel and I go in, and it was a house phone, you know, in the old days we had house phones. And so I pick up the phone and it's a friend of mine. And a semi-distant friend, like not one I talk to every day, probably haven't talked to her in six months, but an older friend. And she calls to tell me that she's had a miscarriage. And I'm like, oh my God, like, why did you decide to call me? And she goes, I don't know. I felt like I should call you and tell you that I miscarried. And so, and I told her, I'm like, I think my mom's going to die. So we're sitting there crying on the phone together. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And like, love you. Okay. I'll talk to you later and take care of the whole thing. I hang, I go to hang up and then it rings again and my hand is still on the phone. And so I'm thinking like, she's still there, whatever. I'm like, hello, you know, and it's not her. It's another somewhat distant friend. Like one that I also maybe eight months, I haven't talked to her or whatever. And she's like, you know what? I felt like calling you. I've got really good news. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I'm pregnant. And I was like, what the actual fuck? You know, <laughs> like what? why this is whoa so so then now i'm happy you know down now i'm happy and i'm like i'm so happy for you and like and and so then i hang up the phone and i'm like i gotta call my husband he's not gonna believe this and so and he like he was super normie guy like for sure even though he witnessed some stuff he couldn't help himself to be like okay that was weird on a fair amount of occasions but anyway i call him and i tell him what just happened and then he got super quiet on the phone and he goes you know what maybe your mom is going to pass. You know, there's the first time anybody else admitted it, but me, you know, cause everyone was just like, no, 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 I know. And so then I was at least, I had this little bit of sense of relief with that. Like somehow I came back down, you know? And so, so then I'm doing my menial tasks, my laundry, the girls, the whole thing I'm supposed to do. And I decide I'm going to go to bed early at, so I can get up and go back down there, but I'm super calm. And then I lay in my bed and and I had a rocking chair next to my bed. And then I'm just laying there, not sleeping. And usually, you know, when you can't sleep, you like toss and turn and you're like, oh, I can't sleep and pillow over your head and the whole thing. I was like, just laying there, just peaceful. And then I look at the clock and I'm like, okay, it's like 11 o'clock. And, and then, okay, it's midnight. And, you know, my husband gets in the bed. He's like, what are you doing awake? So I go, I don't know, <laughs> I'm sitting. And so then I look at the clock and it's one o'clock and then two o'clock. And then it's like three o'clock. And then it's like 3.30 and I'm like, I hear my daughters. We had like a Jack and Jill situation. So there was like a bathroom between us, but there was doors open. I could I could kind of see them and I could hear them. And then I hear them both start to kind of stir. And I'm like, oh, and I could, like I could feel her there. And then I hear 
so my mom had this very special way that with babies and little kids, how she'd like hush them. She'd like go shh, 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 like that instead of like, shh, you know, it was like three little short. Shh. And I heard that and I was like, oh my God, you know? So now I'm fully awake. And then like on the side where the rocking chair was, I got chills, just chills in my arm. And so, and I could feel like something, I could feel her there. And then of course the phone rings. And so I'm like, it's going to be my dad. And so my husband wakes up and he's like, oh my God. And so I go to the phone and I pick up the phone and sure enough, he's like, she's gone. And that's when I lost my shit. I was like, Bleh! and then like, I don't even know. My husband got me to Palm Springs. I passed out in the mortuary. Like I was just a hot mess, you know? So they find like the poor mortuary people, they had to like, help me get me a cup of tea. I was like, I'm sure they see it all the time. So anyway, I'm done. I'm, this is the first big loss in my life. It's my mom, you know, like I could not get my head around it. I was, I lost my shit completely. So we go to their house after, you know, and we get into the house and I'm just like, I'm like this, like I need to hold on to something. I can barely stand. I can, I'm just not doing okay. And anyway, uh, I'm sitting in her house, the, there's a sliding door and it's open and a hummingbird comes in the house and this hummingbird has white feathers on its head. So I've never seen this before. My mother's color's white. You know, there's this white headed hummingbird and it comes right up to my face, like within 12 inches. And it's just like, bzz. my sister and my dad are like, holy shit, you know, like what? there's a hummingbird in the house. Like, and, and my mother, by the way, loved the hummingbirds. Like she loved them. That was like, We'd get it if you got her a mug, get her one with a hummingbird. She'll love it. It was like that. It was like one of her signs, right? So, so the hummingbird zips back out, and you know, we're looking at each other going, and I asked my sister, because my sister was living there at the time, I go, a white-headed hummingbird? Like, she goes, I've never seen it before. It was the first day we saw it. So, so goes, we think of it as a sign. I'm feeling a little bit better. You know, at, at another point. I believe in the same day, the front door just flew open and it wasn't windy. Like this was hot Palm Springs, you know, and in September, it was not a windy day and it just flies open. And, and, um, my brother was there too. And he goes, he goes, mom's home, <laughs> you know, like that. And so we're finally getting to a point where like, I can at least try and eat something and, and deal. So from that point forward though, like, I don't think like I had grief sickness. Like I, I've not really come across somebody that grieved so hard. I, I don't really know why I can't explain it. And maybe because my grief was as intense as it was, it, I feel like she was not going to leave me behind like that. So, so there was all of these little signs. Like I would, um, I, I would, uh, I, I would ask her for signs. I would say, give me any kind of sign. And so so for instance, I was, I kept her purse, you know, and it had picture, little pictures of me when I was young and little things like that. I came in to my bedroom, uh, early after she passed. And one of, there was a photograph of me on the floor, right next to the bed. And my kids couldn't have gotten into it. I asked my husband, did you open the purse? And he's like, no, you know, and, and I was like, why this picture? And so there was a picture. I turned it over and it said how old I was on it. And so the reason it was relevant to me later was because later with the medium, she made reference. She goes, your mom's talking about a picture of you when you were about 12 years old. Do you know the one that I'm talking about? I'm like, I mean, 
mic drop, right? Like, like the medium was just like, you know, she was an amazing medium. She was, I really learned a lot from her and healed a lot. So anyway, things like that. Um, so then, um, there was another time where I was laying on my bed, like pressing my palms into my eyes. Cause the grief was so insane that I, it was almost like a migraine in a way, like light was too bright. I was just so deep, <laughs> I was a little deep. Um, and so I just said, I love you. I love you. I love you. Just like that to her, you know? And so I finally got up from this cry session because they were pretty constant. My, my poor husband, you know, <laughs> anyway, I got up from this one and, and, um, I just felt compelled to go over to this bookshelf. I just walked through the living room and I looked at the bookshelf and I was like, I'm going to pick up that Bible. And it's not like I read the Bible all the time. It was my dad's Bible. And, um, I just picked it up. And when I picked it up, this green piece of paper fell out and hit the carpet and I pick it up and it's green. And in my mother's writing, it says, I love you. I love you. I love you on it. So was that a precog moment? Did I know it was in that Bible? I didn't, I didn't remember that being in the Bible. And I just said like, was this all my psyche doing this or was this a message for my mother? Like, so, you know, could it be a projection of my own psyche creating these things? Of, uh, of course, these things have to be rolled around in your mind, except for so many of the things like, you know, if it weren't the shampoo bottle on the head and if it wasn't the, the you know, the hearse and the, you know, the hummingbird and all of that. So um, so then another thing that I ended up doing was um, I uh, um, I had started to get into because I'd had these experiences, I started sort of researching um, what is after death communication. So there's books on it, there's websites on it. And I started sort of frequenting this message board that was sort of about that and reading other people's accounts. And I'm like, that's what this is. This is after death communication. Like, yeah, duh. You know, like, of course, like there's a lot of people that believe this is going on. I'm not crazy. And so, so then with that, uh, that was like, well, you can request stuff. You can say, you know, what you want to see or request, uh, put a time on the clock and say, give me a sign at three o'clock on Tuesday. And so, uh, so I sat down one day and I was like, okay, anything, give me a sign. I'll take anything at this point, just because I'm still deep in my grief, even though I'm having these experiences, I'm still sick with grief. And so, so I sat there and I was like, okay, well, nothing happened. You know? So, so I get up and I go in the kitchen and I walk and then I walk by the microwave and the microwave, like it has its series of beeps. It does, you know, like, right. Just beep or beep, beep or whatever door still open or something. It goes, Murr. it makes a sound that it never made before or never made again. And it only made it when I walked by and I was not using the microwave and no one had been using the microwave. And so I look at the microwave and I'm like, mom, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm going to take that nice job. Be like manipulate electricity. I'm actually feeling like I'm going to live through this, you know? And so, so it was, uh, it was around that time that I was like, okay, because now I'm becoming like a junkie for this, you know, because I'm so sick, like, and everything just gives me a tiny bit of hope. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick a symbol. So I'm like a white bird, a white bird, any, anywhere there's a white bird, I'm going to think of you. And I'm, I, I'm going to try and make it easy for you. Bring me white birds. And I know it's you, right? I saw white birds everywhere an actual dove as well on the, on the uh, white dove on the power line outside my 
house. Like, and then I would see them on billboards and I would see them on my loaf of bread. And then I would, I would get a, a piece of mail and then the return address would have a white bird or what. So could have been my mind too, but also the dove, like, come on. So anyway, there was a few more things too, but I'll get to the point where I found the medium. Right. So, um, at the time I was an artist already and I was doing a project in this rich lady's house and, and, it, um, it was kind of pre, uh, image search stuff. So I needed reference. And so I'd had all these travel brochures because she wanted this like tropical scene. And, and so I, I'd had all these tropical things laid out and, um, which was going forward again, when I did reach the medium, um, uh, the medium, one of the things said, she goes, are you like going to travel or something? Your mom's showing me you with a bunch of travel brochures in front of you, like, and it relevant to this reading. I don't know what that means. And I was like, I know what it means. You know, there was this travel brochure. So anyway, did this job for this lady. And back in the early days of the art career, it was like a lot of feast or famine and it was mostly famine. Right. So I didn't have a lot of money to get a medium, you know, I, and I had never done it before. And so I was like, I had two kids and like, you know, I'm really going to go tell my husband, I'm, I'm going to take like, you know, a hundred of the dollars that we barely have and go, right. So, so anyway, I said to myself, previous to this rich lady calling, you know, I was like, if I get a big job, I'm just going to take the money off the top and I'm not going to feel guilty. Nobody needs to know. I'm just going to do that. And sure enough, that's when the lady called. Right. And so I'm like, damn, $2,000 job. I think I can skim a hundred bucks off the top. No, no, no. So, so that was my plan. I go to work for this lady. I'm in her house for like a week and she is, I should, I didn't tell her that my mother had recently died. She didn't know any of that. And, but she's very friendly and she kind of comes in and, and talks to me about some stuff and getting to know her. And she's a really cool lady. I'm like, right on. And so, so then she's talking to somebody uh, like uh, really close to the bedroom. And I'm like, I almost feel like she wants me to hear this conversation because this is a huge house. Why is she, and this is more towards the end of the job. Right. And so then she, uh, she starts talking to somebody about their son passing. And then I hear her say like, okay, well, talking about mediums and stuff. I'm like, well, be damned. Like how did, like, this is so what, okay, this is a sink. This is a serious sink here. And then she, she gets off the phone and I'm literally packing up my stuff and, you know, presume she's getting my check ready or whatever. And she kind of helped me down because I was downstairs with some stuff and she's behind me. And she goes, I mean, I'll never forget this. She She's behind me and she goes, Don't, I, Whitney, do you, have you ever talked to a medium? And then I just look up at her and I'm like, why did you say that? And she goes, I don't know. I'm pretty sensitive. And she goes, I kind of feel like you should talk to a medium. And I'm like, she had no idea that I was taking money from this to talk to a medium. And then she told me, she goes, the person that I was talking to was actually a celebrity you would recognize. And they were talking about a, a person that lost their child and that they were speaking to a medium. And she goes, well, if you don't find anybody, let me know. And and, and I go, because I'm I'm actually thinking of that. And I'm like shocked that you knew and all that. And she goes, well, if you need somebody, let me know. I'll refer you. And I was like, okay. And so I get, anyway, get home and I'm look, I decide, okay, I'm looking for a medium right, right now. I'm today, right now, as soon as this check clears, like I'm doing this. And so I'm searching, searching internet mediums, blah, 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 blah. And then I get, uh, I get to this one and it's got this gif of a white bird. Right. And so I'm like, oh, I think I found my girl, you know? And so, but right then there was a little window above my computer and there was a blue jay. Right. And so 
my mom's name was Jay and she loved the Blue Jays. And so like loved all the birds, but like the Blue Jay because she was Jay and, and it's at my window and it's not like I got Blue Jays there, you know? And so I just look up there. I'm like, bye, you know, click, <laughs> make the appointment. And so then that's how I made the appointment and um, then found this medium who was like had three sessions with her and she, she was absolutely incredible. And so her name is um, Ocala. And so I've, I later looked for Ocala again and I couldn't find her. And um, I finally did find her again. She told me that the window had closed for her and which was really interesting. Um, I don't know if she's back at it. I have searched her here and there, you know, uh, but I, I think that she maybe had gotten just a personal thing. I think she had gotten so deep. She needed to come back to the material and ground and, and, you know, be here. Um, so anyway, those sessions were, completely paradigm changing. I mean, with, you know, lessons from my mother, you know, things about my health and, and all people's health, like some really uh, paradigm changing mind body connection stuff that, that I would not have necessarily been open to without coming through in that format and actually proving to myself this like mind body connection, like you said, the placebo, um, some of that, you know, deep traumas we carry around, um, and then they manifest physically. And, and she was telling me that that was part of her death. And so that's why it turns into a really big story on that end. So anyway, um, oh, oh, and then the, the last weird thing, kind of sad, but also kind of not, oh, if you, if we're out of time, um, because there is one last, okay, there's one last little thing that's really, really sweet. So the one year anniversary comes of her passing, right? And I'm finally, like the sun is finally coming out and it's right on the anniversary day and my husband's at work and um, it's a special day. It's very like symbolic, right? Today, it's been a year without her. And so um, I call my sister, how's it going? You know, and we're on the phone and she's like, I know, and mom's been gone by the whole thing. And um, she's like, oh, she goes, hang on. She goes, I just saw her little Hummer, the little white-headed feathered one. And she goes, it just went down, like, hang on. And so she goes out and then she comes back and she's like, she goes, I just found a hummingbird and it's dead. And I was like, who finds it? First of all, how did it, how did it just die while we're on the phone? Second of all, who sees a dead hummingbird? Like it was right on the, you know, they go off to die somewhere. They don't just die and sit there right on the porch, you know? And so so we're tripping, uh, you know, just like, like uh, unbelievable. I'm out here die in my pool, but that's, you know. Have you found a dead hummingbird before? Oh, yeah. How many? Oh, so, oh. okay. But, but, but re recall that this one showed up the day she died and it, it died okay. on the one year anniversary. Right. Okay. And so like, part of me kind of thinks, was it even a real hummingbird? You know, like, well, I don't know. So anyway, so that happened. And, and somehow it's not that I wasn't sad because I love animals. I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't sad for the hummingbird. I was more tripped out. Like, how could that not be some sort of weird sign? So anyway, so then it gets to be the evening. Husband's working late. My first, my baby daughter, she was asleep already. And I'm like, I'm like, what can I put on the TV? Because like, I'm super emotional still. And my, my oldest daughter, she, uh, she's awake still and super verbal and, um, but three, almost three. And, um, she, she I'm like, well, let's cuddle up and we'll find something on TV. And so I'm flipping it around. And then I come across a show that used to be on called touched by an angel. I'd never seen the show. I haven't watched it since, but 
if you don't remember it or know, it was like this show where these very, these like main characters, they were angels, but then they would like come down the material and be certain people to help people progress in their life or heal or whatever. That's a heartwarming story. I'm like, okay, this is probably appropriate to watch with a three-year-old. I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, so, so in this particular episode, one of the angels was a mural painter. And that's what I was doing at the time. I was primarily murals, you know? And I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, like how random. And then the other angel, her name is Tess and it's my daughter's name. And, 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 and she's like, mommy, your name's Tess too. And I was like, okay, weird. And then the story itself was literally about healing from someone's death, you know? And I was like, oh my God, like, whoa. And so, so I'm like, my uh, emotions are very close to the surface. And then, so, you know, the show ends, I turn it off and just me and her kind of sitting in the dark, a candle or something. And then she rolls over onto her back and she's like, she's like looking up into my face. And then she's like, oh, mommy, listen. And so I was like, what, what do you hear? And she's like, you can't hear it. And I go, I can't hear anything. What? And she goes, mommy, it's the angels. They're singing. And I was like, <laughs> and so, so I was like, you know, like that's I, what, what are you going to do with that? Like, so I didn't even know if she knew what an angel was maybe from the show, you know, but like singing angels singing and stuff. So anyway, it was like, it literally was like after that one year anniversary day, there was such a great deal of closure. And I was able to like breathe again and be able to kind of come back. And, and after all she did to get through and then with the medium, like it's ridiculous. Like, so, you know, answer to your very first question, like what led me to be a medium or want to pursue being a medium. That was a big chapter in that. Cause then I was like, she really helped me. Like that lady helped me through one of the hardest times in my entire life. It was such service to my healing and, and my sickness of grief and losing and opened my mind to the, the absolute reality that our loved ones are really right there. It's just their interference in our life. Like why doesn't mom give me her, the lottery numbers? I don't believe that they can interfere in our fate here, but I do think that they can come through with healing messages. And that's primarily, it seems they're not, not only their goal, but their mandate is to bring light here, you know, so we can get back to the business of, you know, our, our lives here and spreading that, you know, whatever we're here to do, that's of the good, then, you know, if we can heal a little bit from, you know, cause we all have, if you have anybody that's passed, we have some unresolved grief and we have to work through it. Um, and so, you know, medi mediums can help that, <laughs> you know, and I think it's cool. So, um, yeah, yeah it's my way amazing. being in what service. Story. Yeah, that's incredible. And good for you for noticing all that stuff. Cause a lot of people would have brushed that off and been like, whatever it's coincidence or not even picked up on those tiny little details that was, sounds like was talking to you and trying to communicate in a certain way. Yeah, it could be delusional, but I, you know, I mean, there's always that possibility, but, but I think that a lot of people do that. So. There's too many, too many coincidences. Yeah. 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 And then we, we all have those friends that are like, Oh my God, I saw a butterfly. I think it was my sister or whatever. And the difference is to the person it's significant to the person having the experience. 
it could be you could see a butterfly in the morning but the afternoon butterfly is a significant one it's it it's your own intuition and that's why you know what if anybody ever works with a medium it really is they really help you inspire your own intuition because you know what the words that they say to you they you connect to so it's really not a pursuit for a closed-minded person you have to be open to that everything is connected and you know there are no mistakes and um you know we don't know it all you know if you think right. you need it all <laughs> so that's, uh, that's yeah the whole the synchronicity thing I, we've always heard that that it's very particular to the person like you can be like this is the craziest shit i saw this thing at this time but it only means something to you so it's right. like uh, but it's yours like a dream. is yeah yeah well, yeah yeah like a dream yeah before we get out of here tell everybody where they can get a hold of you if they want a, a reading or you know just to talk okay. to you or connect with you yeah that sounds great so uh my ig is at trickster fox seven and then i have a, a website and it's whitneyfoxmedium.com Awesome. So I'd love to hear from anybody that like wants to give some feedback or tell me I'm crazy or <laughs> just kidding. You don't sound crazy to us. Okay, we are right, yeah, you're right along. I've talked to far crazier sure. people, including myself. So you're good. We have the same kind of, and we're not mediums by any stretch of the imagination, but we do notice those weird little things and think it means something. I don't know. You know, that, my, my, let me comment on that because I actually think that we all are. I think it's like a, it's something of a gift that we're all given with given. We just don't necessarily pursue it because we're not interested in that. So, you know, I, I think we can all connect. Um, but we've just been told that, that it's crazy or we can't, I think it was part of our, you know, our sixth sense, you know, I, I think we're here because of that sixth sense, our intuition and don't turn here or turn there. And, and then, you know, if our loved ones truly are just the next dimension over and they, you know, they, and we allow that, maybe that's part of what we'll evolve to is I kind of have a little theory that there's, we're starting to, you know, the whole um, next sort of step in consciousness is, you know, like they do in the Amazon. Oh, you, you talk to your dead mother. Well, okay. That's what we, that it's just like eating a bowl of rice, you know, <laughs> like what did mom say? You know, you know, so. <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. The new, the new Aeon, the new, uh, what are they called? The age of Aquarius. Age which, of Aquarius. Yeah. Fifth that's dimension. A, that's or... a whole other show, whether we're in that or not, but dude, thank you so much. You're, that was awesome. That was Amazing, amazing stories story. i did i did not expect that not i'm not saying i uh wasn't expecting it but i wasn't it was pretty yeah cool. no good i'm glad i've enjoyed this very much i love your show by the way it's great oh, you guys are awesome oh thank you well we appreciate it silly but yeah kind of silly well, thank you silly. so much thanks all listeners everybody on rock we appreciate you guys and uh go check out whitney's stuff it's pretty amazing and uh we'll catch you next time
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.